So you believe Assemblyman Kim that he was threatened? 100%. It's, uh, first of all, I know him. Uh, he's a good public servant. Uh, I've always seen him as a person of integrity, but it's just the script is exactly what a lot of us have heard before. It's not a surprise. It's sad. It's not the way people should be treated. And, you know, a lot of people get intimidated by that. I give him credit for not being intimidated. Is that for real? Is that Mayor de Blasio and the bottle blonde Joe Scarborough talking about people getting intimidated by the cover of New York? Yes, it is. And what a great way to start. I do believe episode 51 of the Battle for 1600 with uh, my co-host, the Baron Boris Epstein. Boris, welcome. It's good to be with you, my friend, as always. And today we're doing on Friday, Shabbos. Can't, can't ask for more. A, a nice podcast, Battle for 1600, with my good, good, good friend. And here we are celebrating another week in the books and, you know, a big win for President Trump. 2 and 0 baby 2 and 0 <laughs> 2 and 0 and not only that we'll talk about it he's back in the media with the sad news of the passing of El Rushbo the the great man who created Talk Radio we'll discuss that but let's start with the other side we 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 discussed this on radio but now we have a little bit more time is this just competing egos in New York or is this something more significant with the the leak of the secretary to the governor's discussion with Democratic lawmakers that, well, well, yeah, we, we did hide the figures of the deaths in the old people's homes because we, we didn't want the feds to know with with uh, with Kim saying I was intimidated. Uh, the uh, governor called me up. My wife was so scared after the call. Is the left falling apart or is this just usual internal power politics, Boris? The left's falling apart. <laughs> the left's falling apart. <laughs> they're, they're, because they are so triggered, right, Sebastian? They're so triggered by President Trump. They have no idea how to move forward because right now the president is Joe Biden. And, and Joe Biden's not the leader of their party. Joe Biden's a mess. He's a disaster. So they're completely lost as to how to move forward, as to how to deal with the pressing issues of their party, how to not be a fringe party, how to not just appeal to the far left, how to not be the the new, effectively, socialist party in the United States. That's what they need to be dealing with, but they can't because they are absolutely stuck in their continued long-term TDS, one, and two, their leaders... Andrew Cuomo and Gavin Newsom, the two governors who were seen as, as, as the absolute picture-perfect representatives of the best dealing with COVID you could imagine, have embarrassed themselves. Yeah. They've embarrassed themselves. Yeah. Well, so I'm, I'm just going to— How do you get back from it? I don't know. I'm just going to buy shares in popcorn. That's I, that's all I'm going to do. And I'm just going to watch <laughs> watch the implosion. Let's talk about the big two for O. Um, I, I don't know about you. I was surprised. Maybe I shouldn't have been. But the fact that it all ended on Saturday, that they even went to work on Saturday, I think it was, I think it was the uh, defense uh, 
strategy to call 300 witnesses for the president's defense, including witness number one, Nancy Pelosi, that made them throw in their chips, throw in their cards. Were you surprised, Boris, having been a strategic advisor for the campaign, colleague of mine in the White House, were you surprised that the second sham impeachment ended this rapidly? The Democrats overreached. And I've been saying, I said it to you on this podcast, yep. that this was always going to end badly for the Democrats. Because they never know, you know, to, to quote Kenny Rogers, they never know when to hold them and they never <laughs> know when to pull them. Okay? They just don't. You know, the, the late, great Kenny Rogers may rest in peace along with, our, with the huge loss of Rush Limbaugh this week. It, the Democrats overreached. And then, you know, it was obvious they weren't going to get conviction. Apparently, stories are coming out. Jimmy Raskin thought that he was going to be able to get to... to uh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Conviction. Jamie Raskin thought that they were going to flip more than a dozen senators and that he'd get a conviction of the 45th president? Yes. yes. Apparently so. Wow. He thought they were going to flip... Uh, he thought they were going to, uh, they were going to flip... Um, what, seven, six, 17 senators, right? He's 67. So that's what he thought. And then he tried this very strange gambit with witnesses at the very end. I mean, this is the usual Democrat playbook. Remember, they did this with Kavanaugh. Oh, a witness coming out at the very end. That's what they try to do. And they try to do it here, but the witness was a Republican congresswoman who had overheard something said by someone to someone else. She'd overheard a conversation. She was told about a conversation apparently President Trump had with, with, uh, with Republican leader McCarthy. So it was not, you know, there's no meat there. But then you know, the Democrats tried to throw in this witness thing. Republicans, the, the, president's, the president's legal team correctly pushed back hard. saying, fine, you want witnesses? Let's rock and roll for some good witnesses. And yeah, and Jason Miller's walking around with a list of 301 witnesses. And then and what I heard was Chris, Chris Coons. The uh, senator from Delaware, yes. who is not a firebrand, no. walked into the room, said, the jury wants to vote. People want to go home for Valentine's Day. Are you kidding me? Chris Coons wanted That's to go I, home to eat some chocolate heart-shaped candies? He, just, he, he said, people, he, Chris Coons, said to, to the Democrats, he said, you know what? You guys are done. That's <laughs> it. Time to go home. No witnesses. Closing statements. We're closing up shop. And it was it. And it was and it was gone as quickly as it came. And the Democrats are more embarrassed for it. Eric Swalwell, Eric Fortwell embarrassed himself again by by presenting falsified evidence and then being benched by his own team. Now you're a you 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 went to a very very prestigious uh, law school. What usually I'm a hap- very fancy guy. I'm a very fancy you are guy. a fancy guy. You're a fancy guy. Uh, what would happen in real life in a real court if a lawyer was found? forging evidence like Swalwell did. You could potentially get disbarred. You get sanctioned by the court, and then you could get disbarred. I mean, you can't, you can't falsify evidence. That's, you know, that's one of the top rules of, of, of ethics of attorneys, attorney ethics. You can't do that. But, you know, they're Democrats, right? Look at Andrew, look at Andrew Cuomo. He caused the deaths of thousands of of elderly, and he's out there in the news pushing back hard, and the news are barely covering it. They're Democrats. We we in this country unfortunately live under two different systems. Systems. 
the system for the Democrats and the system for the rest of us. And it's disgusting and it's awful. But unfortunately, for now, it's the reality. All right. What does all of this mean looking forward? Not only has the president uh, created his new office, the former first lady has also. He's endorsed his first political candidate, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, for the governor of Arkansas. And now he's back. He's giving interviews to pay tribute to Rush Limbaugh. What does the second failed impeachment trial mean for not just Donald Trump, the man or political actor, but also for the MAGA movement in your estimation, Boris? I think it's, it only strengthens the president long term. And you're already seeing it in the numbers. Politico did a poll of Republicans and who they would choose to be the nominee in 2024. Right. President Trump came in at 52. 52. Next was Vice President Mike Pence at 12. And after that was Donald Trump Jr. at 6. So the, the, if you take the Trump name, he's at 60. Okay? Wow. And that is after a, a, a over what, almost two-month onslaught against the president. And believe you me, in the summer, those numbers are going to go higher, 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 higher. And, and the more you see Joe Biden be feeble, think about this. You and I, we, 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 did a, we recorded a segment for your show, America First, which everybody's got to listen to. We've now been talking for, what, 10, 15 minutes in your podcast. This is the first time that we're mentioning Joe Biden. Yeah, that's, so, with, that's such with, a good metric. That's such a good metric. Think about that. So what, is, what does that mean? Matter. What does that mean? Because that's not, that's not just us. That's the media. Open the New York Times. Open the Washington Post. Switch on CNN. They're not talking about Biden. He's irrelevant. Did you see that? Did you see that town hall? By the way, Kate Bedingfield, with respect, Jen Psaki, they need to be fired yesterday. Yep. Putting their principal in, on that town hall when he obviously could not cut it was just embarrassing and all. Let, let's talk about that. We, we have, um, because of Rush Limbaugh's um, untimely passing, the president went back on media. He did Fox. He did Newsmax. Here he is talking about exactly this question, the town hall appearance of, of Joe Biden with our good friend Greg Kelly. Play audio cut 10. I'm wondering if you actually caught Joe Biden on the CNN town hall last night. Well, I saw that he... Uh said that there was no vaccine when he came into office, and yet he got a shot before he came into office. And uh, it was already in uh, early November that we announced it, but we actually had it substantially before that. We were giving millions of shots and millions of doses, so he was either not telling the truth or he's mentally gone, one or the other. Either Biden is lying or he's mentally gone, Boris. Right. Yeah, that could put it better than that. As always, the President Trump hits the nail on the head. That's true. Either he's lying or he's gone. And if you look at Biden's answers on China, the meandering answers on, on waking up and asking Joe where he is, it's obvious that Joe Biden is just not there. He doesn't know what he's saying. And he's a disaster. I mean, what about the fact that, that, that Kamala Harris is the one calling world leaders, yeah. not Joe Biden? Unbelievable. That is that is real and it is serious. But it's okay. But Boris, it's okay. They only went waited twenty eight days to call our closest ally in the Middle East. Disgusting. How worried are you? They're they're already talking today about resuscitating the Iran deal. When when we were in the White House, Boris, I had a simple phrase: treat your friends like friends and get your enemies to be worried. 
What we're seeing right now in the first 29 days of this administration is exactly the opposite. Whether it's Canada with the XL pipeline decision, whether it's Israel not being called up, or whether it's Iran being coddled, our friends are being shunned and our enemies are, well, they're just happy, aren't they? They must be. I mean, how could Iran not be happy? They're being signaled to now that America is turning back toward them and away from Israel. While President Trump turned America and the Arab world toward Israel with the Abraham Accords. It is, it is despicable what these Democrats are doing. But you know what? It is not at all, not at all surprising. Because that is what they've been, that's what they've stood for. They've stood against Israel. They've stood for anti-Semitism. I talked about this a ton on the campaign show when I was the point person on Jewish outreach. That is what we've dealt with. That is what we've dealt with. And then if we move forward, I've been following you on uh, social media, Boris EP on Twitter, Boris underscore Epstein on Instagram. You've been um, very vocal of late, and I'm liking it, in terms of what you think has to happen to the institution that is the GOP. Isn't it time to, I'm going to make a new word here, MAGA-eyes the GOP? It is absolutely time. And... If the, if the establishment thinks that they can cut off, if they think that they can somehow cut off the MAGA movement and President Trump, and I put, I put an op-ed out about this on National Park, if they think that they can somehow expunge the MAGA movement, they've got another thing coming. Because if you look at a, a electoral history from 1988 on, 1988, George H.W. Bush effectively won Ronald Reagan's third term. And he was down to Michael Dukakis late that summer. 1992, Bill Clinton wins big. 1996, Bob Dole, who, by the way, we love and are sending the best wishes to, Bob Dole barely got over 39 million votes yeah. in 96. In 2000, George W. Bush wins by 537 votes, 537 votes in Florida. 2004, Bush barely beats John Kerry whose lack of charisma is only paralleled by his lack of, lack of achievement. And that was after 9-11 and during a war when the sitting president usually wins big. 08, Obama annihilated McCain. 12, Obama annihilated Romney. I know something about both those races. And then in 16, President Trump was swept, swept to power by the MAGA movement, the MAGA revolution. And now President Trump received 75 million votes, more than any incumbent in history. All right. So if you look at the history of establishment, it's, it's a recent history of doing really badly in elections. It's a history of, of, of being on the side of unfair trade, of unchecked elitism, of being completely divorced from reality. And, and that is not that is not a successful future for the Republican Party. All right, so this is my last question. We're talking to Boris Epstein, my co-host. This is the Battle for 1600. If you like what you're listening to, spread it, share it, write us a review, and don't forget to check out our radio show as well every single day, America First, where Boris is one of our regular guests. So what's? let's just leave 2024 to the side for one moment. I think... I'm more and more thinking the president should run, and I think he can win. But what is the role for him now, and how soon does he get engaged in terms of... Because, you know, he he is 
the the titular head of the MAGA movement. That was his campaign slogan, America first and make America great again. He's already endorsed one political candidate. He's got his new office. So what do you advise should be the policy moving forward for the 45th president of the United States when it comes to political campaigns and candidates in America? My advice and my position is that President Trump continues to be the leader of not just the MAGA movement, which he unquestionably is, but the Republican Party as a whole. And and the president should continue to lead by choosing and backing the candidates who represent America first, represent MAGA, by making his voice and opinions heard loud and clear. And I do believe strongly that if President Trump will run in 2024, he will become the second man in history to be elected twice to two non-consecutive terms. Yes. Grover Cleveland and Donald J. Trump. Donald Trump would be the 45th and 47th president of the United States if he were to run. He will get the nomination, and I bet he would, I bet he would crush either Kamala Harris, if she's the nominee, if they're smart, the Democrats, or the sad Joe Biden. <laughs> last thing. I, I said that was my last question. I'm going to add one more. For that to happen, and I've been thinking about this, I've been talking to another um, a famous conservative figurehead in, in media just the last two days. For that to happen and for there to be a, a MAGA-izing of the GOP, it's, it's an awful thing because, you know, money and politics rarely leads to good things. But I think there has to be a super PAC or a PAC that is run by people who aren't the usual grifters, advisors, consultants, people who are close to the former president, who the former president trusts, and who can actually manage, who can find those candidates and manage turning the GOP establishment into a MAGA party. Don't you think that's one of the big missing pieces of the puzzle, Boris? I think that's very important. I agree with you 100%. I think it's absolutely vital for us to have a an honest group. And I think Save America, the president's leadership pack, is a good example of that. We need to make sure that those those who are organizing our future are in it for the right reason. And with that, we will take back the House. We will win Senate seats with the right candidates. And then we're going to take back the White House in 2024. It's my favorite new hashtag. Roll on 2024. This has been the battle for 1600. Use it liberally. I do every day. In addition to one more, hashtag Lincoln Project Pedogate. Those are my two favorite hashtags right now. It's the Battle for 1600. You've been listening to Baron Boris Epstein, my former colleague in the White House, special assistant to the president, former strategic advisor to the Trump campaign. You can follow him, Boris EP on Twitter, Boris underscore Epstein on Instagram. I'm Sebastian Gorka, Seb Gorka on Twitter, Sebastian underscore Gorka on Instagram. What is it with Instagram and underscores. Be safe, my friends. God bless.